your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. 608 785. I should bring that up so I can so I can read it. And don't stop saying the number in the middle so people can hear it. 608 785 7914. I will log in to our talk and text line so that I can read your text. It's always interesting to see if there were any no no midday text. Sometimes there's a midday text. Somebody's mad about a story we read over the air during Rush or Hannity, and they just feel the need to send a text. I encourage you to do it. You can send the text anytime during the day. If it happens after like 8 o'clock p.m., Hayes will see it in the morning. And if it happens after 9.01, let's see. No, let's. I can go. Hayes, Hayes had a lot of texts uh, after 7.43. It looks like he didn't get to. So I'm calling him out. There's a little inside baseball here. But uh, Hayes might have been pretty busy this morning, but he will look at those texts tomorrow morning. Uh, but usually 9.01, Hayes ain't looking at the texts anymore. <laughs> Although he did look at 9.05. Man, that was, I mean, maybe I looked at 9.05s. There's a 9.05 a.m. text. Uh, coming up on the show, it's going to be fun. And if you want to know when you're going to be vaccinated or if you are afraid of being vaccinated, uh, Chris Main, he's a doctor. He has a PhD. He's not, I don't know, he's not a doctor doctor. He's not going to be working on you per se, but he's an immunologist with a PhD in genetics at Viterbo. He's a professor of biology there, and he's going to come on, and, and we're going to break down vaccinations. And we're, we're not going to, per se, but I'm going to ask him very, very broad, basic, probably scare tactic questions, and we'll see what he has to say about them because I don't know anything about vaccinations except probably had them when I was little and I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about getting them vaccinated. And beyond that, I don't, I don't really think about it until now, until now. <laughs> Number three is calling in. Number three, you're on the air. Go ahead. I got a PhD in underwater basket weaving. Yeah. That's uh, I, fe- I feel like a lot of people, you, so you got the PhD, huh? You went off what? Eight years, eight what? years in college. Take eight years of college to get a PAD underwater basket weaving. That's a long get time to be underwater, though. Summer. Oh, you just you get, get that in the summer. That's that's a you're just getting a general uh, certification if you're doing oh, it in the okay. summer. Yeah. All right. Anyway, you know you're talking about you don't get many Texas people texting you. Well, oh, I, I I I get texts. I'm just saying I didn't get any midday. Sometimes I get a text at like three in the afternoon because I read the news at two thirty and somebody heard it and then we're like, nope. And then I have oh. to they feel the need to text me in the middle of the day, even though I'm not really in here looking at yeah, the text. That's 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 on call for anyway. <laughs> Mike Hayes only gets about three or four calls in three hours, so don't feel bad. Yeah, everybody texts him. Oh, he well. I think Mike. I think Mike takes calls in in tiny segments, like once or twice a show. I think he just has, or maybe it's once an hour. I think he just does. I like where you Number guys. 20. 
You guys can call me. Twenty opens up the phone and three, four people call. So you you would average more than that if if you didn't have everybody on your show all the time. Yeah, I would if I if I catered to the callers more so. But I feel right. the need to bring people on that know more than you and I. So that's what that's where I'm <laughs> going with this. Very much. <laughs> you had a sharp guy on there yesterday. Yeah, yeah, Mayor Cabot. No, Rob Abraham. <laughs> Yeah. Goodbye. All right. You had to get that one in there. Uh, I knew where he was going with that. Number three, thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought yesterday was one of those. Some people say I need to go to two hours. When Mitch was on, we were doing two-hour shows. And uh, other, you know, some days I'm like, yeah, yesterday would have been a great show to have Cabot on one hour and Abraham the other hour because I, I, I felt a little bad for Cabot because I, I thought, Rob, I'll just have you on quick. And I just want to get your take on the the crook thing because the crook sentencing, the guy that shot a, a, a Dustin Darling, a cross police officer, a couple su- summers ago, was sentenced last week. And I wanted the assistant chief's take on the sentencing because the assistant chief, let's be honest, he's been out there mad about judges' decisions in the past. So was he mad about 15 years? And and he wasn't. And and that's why I wanted to have him on. But then there was some stuff that's going down in the city council that all of a sudden I'm like, you know, and the mayor is nice to have on about the city council stuff coming up Thursday. But body cams, I mean, we got the chief on right now. Chief, body cams, go. And there was another thing. Oh, and the police are getting raises, right? So we asked the chief about him getting a raise. He said, I'm not getting a raise. He said, my officers and everyone below, there's, so he said, like, uh, you know, captains, sergeants, chiefs, I don't know, whatever the hierarchy, there's a there's a cutoff there. So the leadership at the police department doesn't get raises, but everyone below there is getting a 3% raise. Uh, city council is voting on that on Thursday too. But then, you know, Abraham left and Cabot came on. Mayor Cabot was still on, but he, you know, then we talked to Cabot about his not uh, giving himself a raise the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, that's going to change, it sounds like, and, uh, but it was it was a good show. It was one of them days where I probably could have went for two hours, and other days when it's just me. Sometimes I'm like I can barely do an hour. I don't know what to talk about, <laughs> you know, unless we really just want to talk about our dogs and like walk, hiking in the woods or, you know, the Hiawatha statue. We can do that for an hour once in a while. But uh, today is Chris Main, immunologist at Viterbo. And he's gonna you know answer our questions about vaccines. So if you want to text me, you got questions about vaccines. We're going to do probably, we're going to hover around that one vaccine that, you know, is going to help solve the pandemic. And maybe it's more than one vaccine, but, you know, the one for COVID. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, Brad's back. You know, yesterday he was back too, but Brad's back doing the news. We'll get to him in just a minute. And then Chris Main from Viterbo talking vaccines. We'll be back. So All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608. 608- 785-7914 is the talking text line. We'll just do a text line for now. Chris Main, how is it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Rick. I got a, a doctor, Chris Main. I need to do it like that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't need. I don't even have my students call me doctor, so I'm good without. <laughs> okay, uh, that voice you hear is Chris. He's a PhD. He has a PhD in genetics. He studies immune regulation. He's a, otherwise he, he, he told me before the show, just call me an immunologist with a PhD in genetics from a, and a professor of biology of Viterbo. So I'll just give you all the credentials that I have written down. Um, and we want to, obviously we want to talk about vaccines, but I, 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 
keep seeing this story about the monolith in uh, in in different parts of the world. And if people don't know, it's a big silver metal rectangle that ends up in random places throughout the world. It started in Utah in the middle of the desert, and uh, nobody knows why or when. And then it disappeared mysteriously one day. It appeared, I think it was there for a couple of years before somebody found it uh, on Google Maps or something. Or maybe they ran across it. Um, and, and obviously, you, you being an immunologist, I, I thought we should start the conversation about monoliths. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely right up my alley. You know, I just I just can't wait to find out that it's just all some big marketing ploy, right? That's that's probably where this is all going to end, right? Yeah, and in, in thinking about monoliths, I was like, where would the best place to be in Lacrosse to put the monolith? Right away, you think like just in the in Hickson Forest somewhere, right? Like it just ends up people are are jogging or maybe cross country skiing in a few weeks. Uh, and then, oh, there's a monolith right here, or you know, on top of Granddad's Bluff. But do you have any good ideas of where a monolith would show up in Lacrosse County that would be that would be probably the best place to get attention and be kind of an awkward spot? Yeah, I mean, so hear me out on this, right? Like, so the one in Utah, it seems like was there for a long time before anyone saw it. So I'm thinking it needs to go like in the old Kmart building or something like that, right? Somewhere where it's not going to get seen uh, for a very long time, but also just in an iconic location, right? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great one because no one's going in there for for decades. Uh, we wouldn't see it. It might even be a bad ploy, especially if it's a marketing ploy. The the company that it's marketing. <laughs> that's true. Um, I was that's thinking true. like the the hatched egg or the blue baby disappears one day, and there's a monolith there uh, for a... <laughs> somehow less creepy. So uh, you know, it's a, some alien structure somehow less creepy than the blue baby. Yeah, it would be hard to do that one though because I feel like it's right outside the police department. There's probably cameras everywhere, and they're. I bet there's cops driving in and out of there. The blue baby might be the most protected uh, item in lacrosse. You're probably right. You're probably right. So if aliens are behind this monolith thing, that would solidify it for me that if the blue baby disappeared and a monolith appeared there, then I would be like, yep, this is definitely aliens because nobody's going to be able to slip that by the police. Yeah, and the aliens would definitely come for our most prized possession, you know, the blue baby. Yeah, right. And then in, when it's all said and done, the monolith's there, and then you finally, you, it opens up, and it's a B.A. burrito ad. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you like the shininess on this monolith? Check out the shininess on our foil around our delicious burritos. Yeah, B.A. Dude, burrito. Pull a coupon out of the, the slot for two-for-one B.A. chili dog burritos. <laughs> they always have some weird, weird they burrito. Do. They do, yeah. And, and that's great. I just, I don't mind it. I just, some days I'm like, I'm, I'm good. With, I don't need chicken soup burrito today. I'm good. <laughs> It's the worst burrito. Uh, all right. So that was I, – I, I did that on purpose. I, I wanted to bring the immunologist on and, and talk about the monolith. But I wanted to talk to somebody about the monolith. So I appreciate you you playing along, Chris. Sure, um, sure. Of course. So va- the COVID-19, it's destroyed our lives. It hasn't really destroyed my life in any any way. It's actually probably helped me because it's given me something to talk about in a in a show that I've been doing for about a year now on my own, a little over a year now on my own. Uh, one time I, I, when I just started out, I had someone bail on me, right? Like literally one minute before the show, he's like, my kids got wrestling practice, so I can't come on with you. And I'm like, oh good. Because, and we were going to break down the, uh, the, the, now I forget what movie it is. The Avenger movie with the, the woman that's, she's not Supergirl, but she's now I I totally forget Captain Marvel. No, is it Captain Marvel? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, so I did a whole hour on Captain Marvel once, which is fine with me, but it was very awkward to do on my own. 
Um, but but since then, I haven't had I haven't had a lot of times for reviewing movies. I've often been able to go and talk about COVID. And today, uh, Lacrosse County did suffer another death from COVID. It was the forty third overall. I don't know how old this person was. Yesterday was the youngest person to have died from COVID, the fifty to fifty nine years old. Um, but we've had uh, I think it is five deaths in the past week from COVID in, in Lacrosse. And we need to get out of this. We need to get out of this pandemic. So we're gonna we're gonna have to get a vaccine, right? That's the only way we're out get out of this thing. Yeah, I mean, at, at this at this point, I mean, there's there are public health measures, right, that could really help us get this thing under control. And even after a vaccine, I mean, it's going to make a vaccine much more effective if we can bring this under control with sort of the public health, uh, you know, approaches that have been kind of being recommended from the beginning. But yeah, I mean, to to fully to fully end this, yeah, it, it would take a vaccine for sure. Do you think, I don't want to get political here, but do you think like uh, the, the politics surrounding this is that at, at some point we've ignored or uh, haven't taken this thing seriously for so long now that the vaccine is, there's light at the end of the tunnel and you know what, we're just going to sacrifice what we're going to sacrifice and get to a vaccine rather than give out a trillion dollars uh, in COVID relief. Do you do you think maybe is, is, is the light at the end of the tunnel close enough to or do we do you think that we probably should be uh not thinking vaccines are going to save us here in the next i don't know is there what's the timeline chris i think i think it's a great i think it's a great question i think the timeline is probably longer for this to be uh you know fully brought under control by the vaccine than what people would like right i think you know uh, realistically uh in a couple days here i think the 10th uh, there's going to be meetings uh, trying to determine the emergency use, uh, use authorization uh, for uh, these vaccines. And they'll start getting, uh, you know, uh, out to people who most need them, you know, people in our healthcare facilities, people in our uh, nursing homes, uh, elderly folks, people at risk. But, you know, there's not a lot of them. And when you have to uh, vaccinate millions of people, that's going to take a long time. And so, you know, I think we're looking, you know, for all of us, yeah, I guess the are hoping to get vaccine. I guess the, yeah. the easiest question, the the easiest way to put this, Chris, and Chris is a immunologist with a PhD in genetics at Viterbo. I know Chris from noon basketball. We play basketball at Viterbo a couple times a week. And and with that, my life the only way my right life has really changed, Chris, is that I can't go to Viterbo and play basketball <laughs> with y'all anymore. And it's very depressing for me. It's very like, you know, first world problems for me because it's the only, one of the only ways my, except for the wearing a mask when I go to the the store. Uh, so Chris, when can we play basketball again? That's the easiest way I can pose this question. Yeah. yeah my, op, my, I would be, I would be hopeful. Maybe we can get some in this summer because, you know, I think maybe the vaccine might come around to us, you know, you and I, June, you know, and then you give us, you know, some time to come around. We might be able to get a little ball in late summer. That 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 would be my hope. Now, you're an advantage, though, because the way you play defense, you already social distance on the ball handler. So, I mean, you know, you're already safer than some. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's most everybody at the turbo. We're all... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we are way too old to be playing uh, any any sort of hustle ball. Yeah, the idea that we can't play basketball right now during a pandemic because we're going to be six feet, to, you know, close to each other is is kind of funny because ah, six feet. That's uh, you, you can shoot that three. Go right ahead and shoot that three. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's yeah, that's kind of the and that's that's a little depressing. I think that's eight months away. If it's December eighth and you're saying late August, we're over eight months away from from being able to, uh, you know, at that point, I'm going to probably be outside playing. 
playing sports in some way or another at you know because it'll be summer and we can go outside and kind of do that stuff a little bit. Yeah, um, I do think we're going to have to make it through you know the winter without counting on you know herd immunity from vaccines. It's just not it's it's not a realistic timeline. I don't think so. I think you know we do want to stay vigilant, but remember it. You know there is a lot of optimism because of these. You know so that is that is the good news. You can see sort of how this could end. Yeah, you throw that, people, you don't throw it out there, but people have, have come on the show when I talk COVID and talked about, yeah, herd immunity. And sure. I'm, I'm like, okay, so I've ranted about this. This is another thing. This can be added to the rant. We've become experts on everything. We've become experts on COVID and flu and, uh, you know, viruses in, in general. Uh, vaccinations we're becoming experts on. And then, you know, you get into the politics. We've become experts on elections, on, you know, Supreme Court rulings. On just just everything we we all have become experts on. We don't need to even hear from you people, you quote unquote experts, uh, because we know we got the internet. I the guy called in yesterday, saw a YouTube video about uh, elections in Georgia, and you know there voter fraud. There's a, he saw a YouTube video, Chris. So uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly he knows that voter yeah. fraud because of this this no sound video, and it was probably cut up to make it look really you know her probably wasn't yeah. in completion, but. The, the idea, now I've lost where I was going with the, the expertise. Herd immunity. Oh, yeah. yeah so, yeah, somebody, a couple of people have called and we're just like, well, we just get herd immunity. I think they were yeah. trying that in Italy. Are they thinking, is that, I think people talk about it doing was, that in Italy, but like you need a vaccine to have herd immunity, yeah. right? It, it was, it was, uh, it was Sweden that was going kind of that way, but they weren't, you know, even they, what they were doing was, is a bit overblown. They, they still were closing lots of things, right? They just were letting, uh, the, the virus spread a bit more in the young population, and, and they're doing very poorly now, you know, uh, Sweden and the U.S. both. Um, I'm glad people are talking about herd immunity. I'm glad people have heard of this idea, uh, but it's generally associated with with a vaccine, right? And so there, there really is no feasible uh, path to herd immunity in the absence of a vaccine, uh, because uh, what it costs is insane numbers of deaths, a, a very high uh, number of deaths to get to the 70% infected threshold, right? You know, in the U.S., we're probably not even at seven, and we need to get to 70%. Uh, imagine the the impact that that would have and the number of lives lost. And I would just challenge those folks to, to say, you know, what is an example of a disease that we've ever gotten to herd immunity with without a vaccine? Um, what happens instead is things become endemic, and they, you know, they circulate, and they don't really go away in the absence of a vaccine. And so I, I, I'm glad people are thinking of herd immunity, though, because that is a, a key theory as to why getting vaccinated helps others and helps us as a whole population. Yeah. If, if a, a quick Google search here says Wisconsin has 5.8 million people in it. And uh, if you go to the DHS website, we have 418,000 positive cases as of today with 4,000 more today. So we're not quite there. 400,000 out of 5.8 million we're almost to, you know, almost yeah. to a twenty percent, and we need seventy percent. We're not even to twenty. What, what is that? Like ten percent, something like 10, that. Yeah, less than ten. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got a we got a ways to go yet. And uh, if you think about it, sixty eight people died today, and thirty eight hundred people have died. And if we just want to get to herd immunity and and not wear masks and let the thing run rampant, uh, that the the death toll would be pretty ridiculous, especially yeah. when the hospitals are overrun, and then we just send people home to die. Exactly. And the, and the reality of the situation is, too, right, that you won't reach it because people 
who can, like you, you know, you say you're, you don't have to be exposed too often, it doesn't affect your life, can probably just hide from ever getting it, right? And so enough people would be able to sort of isolate themselves off that it probably wouldn't even spread to the level that we would need it to, to reach that 70% because of the way in which people would avoid it. And yeah. so I, I, it's not a realistic option, uh, but I'm glad people are thinking of what herd immunity means, because now to get to that 70% with a vaccine, that is very doable. Yeah, and the idea that I would be able to hide if if, the, if this thing never went away and I could hide from the, the virus forever means that I would just die of some obesity-related disease because I keep getting fatter. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... I, I definitely I definitely relate to that right now. It's harder to ride a bike in the winter, even though it's been pretty nice. I'm still not a big fan of 40-degree bike rides. Yeah, it, it just burns the lungs. <laughs> All right, that's Chris Main. He's a uh, – got to pull my notes up. I can't just do it off the top of my head. He's an immunologist with a Ph.D. in genetics at Viterbo. I have these list of questions, so we're going to get to these questions when we come back. we got Brad's doing the news, but Scott's comments coming up. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I got to play this song a little bit because Chris didn't know, and I didn't pronounce it very well, but Chris wasn't sure about if he had heard the song before. Chris, have you heard the song before? I have, yes. Okay. Now I recognize it. Yep, yep. And then you're just like, yeah, duh, I've heard this. I just, I didn't <laughs> yeah, pronounce sure. it. Like it's. Oh, yeah. Melic- I, I spent a lot of time stocking shelves working as a part time grocery clerk. So, you know, all, all of those, you know, uh, holiday songs, I've heard them all over the old Muzak at some over, point or another. Over and over. All through. Always. O- all through late October. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, that, and that's how you got. You stocked shelves and you worked your way through uh, a PhD, and now you're an immunologist at Viterbo. Yeah, uh, yeah. A professor of biology. How how are how are Zoom classes going for a biology teacher? Because I feel like some of that stuff is hands on. When we bring uh, Professor Ted Wilson in, he's like, "Yeah, biology was great today. We were out on the river." And I'm like, "Oh, sounds yeah, like I should have yeah. changed my profession." Yeah, he. I am always very jealous of my colleagues who are field biologists who get to go out. I I love the outside, but it just didn't incorporate into my my job. I'm much more of a, a lab bench scientist. But yeah, you're right, Zoom. Zoom classes are challenging when it comes to the lab, especially. Um, as far as like you know, uh, working in groups and, and learning uh, on Zoom, it's actually been better than I thought. But you know, it is hard to replace uh, the lab and the ability to do dissections and all those sorts of hands-on things that we we usually enjoy. So. Now, do your students have their cameras on? So I am very lucky in that my upper class students, like the juniors and seniors, always do. I've never even had to ask them. They kind of recognize, like, I think that they feel more like a community when they have them on, and so they do. My freshmen, I would say, uh, it's about a quarter of them do. Now, do you, did you have to do some regulation training to have them have their Bunsen burners on in their house, and has anyone started their (laughs) house or dorm or apartment on fire? (laughs) So we, uh, I have not tried to do any like kitchen labs where they have to do stuff in their kitchen, but I do know some people do that with online learning where they have them go to the drugstore and buy a few of these different uh, chemicals and we'll do some, some things at the uh, kitchen table. But I, have, I haven't done that in any of my classes. All right. So no, no students have been harmed in, in uh, virtual learning at Viterbo under Chris May. Exactly. That is a very important disclaimer to have on this. Yeah. <laughs> you can put it in the syllabus for next semester. No students were harmed. Because it sounds like next semester, well, by August, right? Next semester. No, next semester would be coming up here uh, in February. So next, you could put that in the online syllabus. Um, all right. Yeah. So we, we've kind of avoided, 
you, you know, we've talked around the idea of vaccinations coming for COVID-19. And, and yeah. you said by August, it sounds like maybe we'll start to get back to normal, right? That's kind of the, the, the quote unquote phrase, all is back to normal. Yeah. But August, maybe? That's my guess. That's, that is just me fully speculating, right? And that's dependent on so many things. I, you know, I, it is really an exciting day, actually, because the UK, uh, in the United Kingdom, over in Britain, you know, they actually started vaccinating today. And, you know, in a couple weeks, we may be able to start in the U.S., depending on how things go. Uh, it's just going to be a slow rollout, you know, and there's going to be prioritization of these things. But, uh, you know, it, and it, we've had supply chain issues, you know, throughout the the pandemic. So I suspect being able to create, you know, tens of millions of uh, doses of vaccine could be a challenge in getting them distributed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an exciting day when you look at, you know, the way people are responding in the UK to to this day coming and, you know, these really highly effective vaccines being at least starting to roll out. Have they been a lot more disciplined in the UK when it comes to uh, closing and staying home and staying distant and you know, where, where they they would welcome a vaccine because, you know, I've been locked, I have been locked in my house and I I haven't been able to go anywhere or do anything where, you know, in the States we eh, do what you want. We'll just give you some recommendations, but you know, where our life hasn't changed all that much and, and therefore vaccines, eh, you know, I don't need to really get a vaccine. Nothing's changed for me. Yeah. I think they're, from my understanding, they're not terribly dissimilar uh, from us. They're not doing uh, kind of uh, as uh, as badly as the U.S., but they, they have their own similar uh, challenges, uh, both politically and just, you know, with policy and differences in how those policies are being implemented in different locations, from my understanding. Yeah, so, and then when it comes to a vaccine, you know, the idea that, well, can we trust a vaccine, Chris? Like, can we, yeah. if if the vaccine comes, and, and you, you talk about giving, uh, you know, the senior citizens and, and healthcare workers the vaccine. Well, at this point, you know, they're already like we've already sacrificed all those people. We should just be giving you and I the vaccine, don't you think? Uh, no, no, I don't think. I don't think quite. Uh, that's but, what we're you know, doing. Con- concerns about the vaccine, I think, are really are really natural, and I think that's those are important questions that people are asking, and and this is why we have you know such a rigorous uh, clinical trials procedure in the United States, you know, and you know especially with how fast this has occurred those questions on safety and worries and concerns are all, all to be expected. And that's, that's very natural. And those are the right questions to be asking. Yeah. So it seems like we've rushed a vaccine, but um, when I become the vaccine expert, I don't know anything about old vaccines, other vaccines. Have we, did we rush any other vaccines? You know, is this, is this even rushed? I don't even know if it's rushed and what, you know, what, what's the timeline for a quote unquote regular vaccine versus this one. Sure. And so, Usually, it takes a few years to create any new vaccine. However, the reasons for that actually are uh, kind of interesting. So, for one, uh, there's like a multi-stage process where you uh, submit your your design, and then you wait to hear back, and then you uh, edit your design, and then you wait to hear back again. And all of these things also are prone to uh, investment and money and making sure, you know, oh, is this company that I'm working for, let's say, and let me be clear, I've never worked for uh, for biotech. I don't want to come off as a uh, pharma, big pharma shill or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, you submit these sorts of uh, applications and then you hear back and then your company decides whether or not they're going to invest. And so all of these things become an issue, right? Like waiting for uh, responses and then also money investment. Those two issues have been completely 
eliminated in this, right? Because there has been money available from all kinds of various charities, from every government, everybody in the world is extremely invested in getting rid of this disease. So that's one. For two, the number of people who are trying to create this vaccine and the amount of competition that occurs between these companies because of this is enormous. Now, the last bottleneck for time, and what really takes a long time in any clinical trial, is the enrollment of participants, right? So you have to get, you know, a certain number of cases before you can statistically trust that something's real, and right? So in these two, uh, these two trials, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, they have almost 75,000 patients. And think about that. They got 75,000 people involved in these uh, trials in just a few months. And that's because, you know, it's sort of a product of how bad we've handled the, the pandemic as a country that we actually ended up having lots of people available to get the vaccine and lots of people who would then get sick so that this could be all ramped up. So the one, I guess, side effect of this being, you know, rampaging pretty ridiculously in, in the U.S. is that it has allowed this trial to get finished in the U.S. relatively quickly. But. Um, when when you say 75,000 people and a, a lot of those got sick, we need 75,000 healthy people. That might not be so easy to find, Chris, right? Because yeah. they got to get vaccinated yeah, yeah, without yeah, the that, virus. That That is what they had to find, though. They did. <laughs> they succeeded. And, and across all kinds of different uh, groups of people, uh, various ethnicities, various age groups. Uh, and so it's, it's really – and it's been – more transparent, actually, than any clinical trials ever before. Again, I think because there's so much competition between Pfizer and Moderna, and there's so many eyeballs on this, everybody is clamoring for, we need you to be very honest and transparent and show us everything. So there's never actually been a faster clinical trial. There's never been a, uh, a larger clinical trial done faster and so transparently as these. All right, so I got a question. We got a caller here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna subject you to a caller here, Chris, and, and I don't know who it is. Caller, who is this? This is Tammy. Oh, hey, Tammy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah you're on with Chris. You got a question for him? Um. Yeah. Have you looked into the work of Dr. James Lyons Wheeler? He's got a really good uh, nonprofit. He's been studying coronaviruses, and he's got a big beef. It's transparent, maybe? No. The CDC or the FDA hasn't totally set aside all animal trials. They combined the first and the second human trials into one to rush it through. They haven't followed the normal process at all. And that's really concerning because historically, coronaviruses in animal trials, and they've done them, and this is peer reviewed information hat that's out there, they have typically vaccines have caused autoimmune reactions through proteins and peptides in the virus that make you sicker after you've had the virus, the not the virus, the vaccine. So that even if you get it with the wild virus again after the vaccine, you get really sick and the animals would die. And it really needs, it's been sent out and, and the scientists are completely disregarding it. Or I should say the, the, the political, um, right. what do you call them, the vaccine company. All right. Th- thanks, Tammy. Chris, do you, do you got any info there? Yeah. So I actually am not familiar with that individual. I don't, I don't know their work. But 
you are, she is right that you know we have to be very careful in how we do these things and look into them. Um, but I can tell you that there has not been uh, a study that's been so many people involved, right? And so we have had now seventy five thousand people vaccinated. That's an enormous number, right? And so if this was causing these enormous extra sick autoimmune diseases, we would have picked those up in this study, right? We would be seeing these people have these same effects. And so uh, I don't know the animal studies uh, that she's referring to. I am familiar with some animal studies on this coronavirus uh, in non-human primates that did not have those uh, same results, but uh, I'm not familiar with the ones that uh, Tammy's talking about. But it is important to track these things and to be concerned about them. And we would be seeing those in this 75,000 people if that were the case. Well, I think part of what she said, too, is we've rushed this vaccine or we've rushed it out or however. You, yeah. And that was one of my I think we just talked about that a little bit. The idea that we're rushing this thing out. Yeah, we're rushing this thing out. But we you said, I, I think maybe either before the show or on the air, something about, well, we've 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 been able to like we can we can do that. There's enough money and people to, to do that or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so I, I thank Tammy for the question too. It, it is, it, it sounds, you know, like she's, she's worried and she's concerned and, you know, concerned about people changing the procedures or things like that. And those, those are all things that are natural concerns. And, and this has happened faster and so much faster than ever before. It, it, it does raise questions. Now the process has certainly been expedited, but it hasn't been rushed. No corners have been cut. It was something that I was watching very carefully myself when this all started happening, right? And certainly then, as you mentioned, the politics get, get tied up in this and that there's a lot of investment in getting this done, right, and a lot of people's reputations. And so we want this to get done as fast as possible. And I was looking for corners to be cut myself too. And very importantly, no safety corners have been, right? We built upon knowledge we already knew about SARS, which is a relative of SARS coronavirus 2, the, the coronavirus, novel coronavirus. And so we have uh, built upon that knowledge so we knew what to target, right? And the new approaches that are being used with these mRNA vaccines allowed for things to happen a lot faster. And then again, just because money was not an issue, that really cut a lot of the time out. And the fact that there were so many people um, that you know were going to be exposed to this, that also made the timeline be greatly shortened compared to normal. Uh, Sam texted and he goes, and you don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but will SARS two burn itself out like SARS one? I just I don't not even really sure what that means. Oh, so what that actually means, yeah. So this novel coronavirus is is kind is called SARS coronavirus two uh, because it causes severe acute respiratory syndrome similar to the original SARS back in the day, and they're both coronaviruses. And so uh, SARS one didn't so much burn itself out, uh, the public health measures that uh, were taken on immediately uh, in Asia when that first hit uh, really did a good job of limiting its spread out. Um, and so uh, that, I think, was a big player there, whereas this now cannot burn itself out, not at the level it is in, you know, globally anyway. Um, it's a great question. When we talk about long uh, vaccines and we've, we haven't rushed this, but I'll just, the easy way to say it is we've, it's, it's, taken it hasn't taken very long to create this vaccine apparently because i don't know how long it actually takes to take to, to create vaccines several, but you said a couple years, of years years usually yep. usually years and, and so this is faster than it's ever been done it's a it's a scientific you know uh accomplishment that's rarely been seen and when you when you talk about that the well we we're also better at science now than we were maybe 
a decade ago or decades ago, right? So the idea that this would happen faster makes sense a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when and not only that, you have all the you know the greatest scientists all willing to work and pull in the same direction on this, and that's another huge part. There's, you know, none of these people working on these trials have any problems getting the most talented people out there uh, to come and work for them on this because people are all doing their part to to try to, you know, it's in no one's best interest to let this thing keep going or to have this thing continue, and so you know, it it's led to a timeline that's you know really quite the miracle honestly we're all worried about turning being uh vaccinated and then turning into zombies so will that happen and then will smith will have to save us i mean the the long-term effects we don't know years down the road if this vaccine is going to turn me into a zombie chris what why so i don't want to take it i want to take it two years from now when i know not everybody else in the world is a zombie though i don't really want to live in a world with zombies either so maybe i should just become part of the zombie herd it sounds like you've got some uh, real issues with zombies here, Rick. Uh, so I, the long-term effects are, again, uh, these are all the perfect questions that people should be asking. So we know about the sort of long-term effects that can occur uh, from vaccines. And, and key in this is that the long-term effects uh, that are extremely rare, uh, but more on the severe side, all happen with it at least get started, right? Things like anaphylaxis or Guillain-Barre, get started within like the first month after vaccination. There aren't really vaccine side effects that, you know, are lagged from, you know, a year after vaccination or something like that, right? Also, this new style of vaccine, these mRNA vaccines, while this is the first time they're going to get through FDA approval, they have been used in trials for many years, right? They were used for, for example, rabies, I think in 2013 or 2014. And so people had to been vaccinated with these years ago. And so if there were long-term effects that were, for some reason, lagged in a way that we've never seen with vaccines before, we would be seeing those, and, and we're just not. Uh, Mark texted in, there is no live or dead virus in this vaccine, so that makes it unique and different from all other vaccines, question mark. Very true. Yeah, so Mark is, Mark is right on the, uh, uh, on the nose there with these. The one from Moderna and the one from Pfizer are both what are called mRNA vaccines. So actually, all it is is a little message that gets put into our cells, and our cells read that message and make this little piece of the virus. Now, uh, that piece of the virus that gets made is actually uh, the same part of the virus that our immune system naturally targets and tries to respond to. But again, remember, it's only that tiny piece of the virus. So there is no possibility of having any sort of functional virus. In fact, you have just a tiny message that makes a tiny piece of that virus, but it's enough to actually spark an immune response against the part that we generally recognize to protect us from this virus. So it's more of like a tweet, 127 characters, as opposed to a long text message, huh? Yeah, sure. Yep, that's, that, that's good. And then uh, I, I guess last one for you, Chris. Autism! Bah! Like vaccines, give me autism. <laughs> yeah, so that, and that's a long, that is a, that is a, that's a long-held story that goes back to basically one scientist, a uh, doctor, actually, who uh, was studying uh, the MMR vaccine, and it, it turns out it's a very sad situation with medicine because basically he was a corrupt doctor. He was taking money to be part of a class action lawsuit against the MMR uh, vaccine, um, and he was uh, actually, you know, doing tests on children that were not moral. Things like uh, doing taking uh, spinal taps of them and stuff, which you don't usually do to kids in clinical trials when they have no need for that. Um, and so he was being paid to to 
investigate this. And then after this publication, which was published in a, in a reputable science journal, it was uh, actually retracted because they discovered that he was falsifying data. And so the medical records of these patients didn't match what he was reporting on the patients in the actual uh, paper he published. And uh, I think most telling, actually, is this is Dr. Andrew Wakefield, um, was that after, uh, after this all started being investigated... 20 seconds, please. Uh, it came out that he actually had was not anti-vaxxer himself. He actually had a patent for his own competing vaccine. And there you go. It's just making money off of it. All right, man. Well, that's uh, that's all the time I have. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and having some fun and also, you know, talking serious and not talking down to anyone that has these questions because because sometimes I, I will talk down to them. But this I, I know nothing about vaccines, so I'm not even going to pretend to know anything about what when a texter asks this stuff. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you guys anytime. All right, thanks. See ya. Goodbye. All right, that was Chris Mayne, Viterbo, PhD in genetics. He's a biology professor there. That's all the time we got. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back tomorrow.